Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to our Sunday online service at Ecclesia as we continue through our series in Nehemiah, as Pastor Ephraim said, an unchanging God in changing times. And the title of my sermon today is Standing Firm in the Face of Opposition. Standing Firm in the Face of Opposition. And I'm going to be going through the whole chapter of Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 23. I'm not going to um, read the whole text, but I will read the whole text as I go through the sermon. I'm going to cover every verse. Every verse will be read, so I'm not going to read it at the beginning for, for time's sake. Um, now, we was talking the elders during the week, um, and uh, I told the guys my sermon was going to be 30 minutes, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they both started laughing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to prove them wrong, hopefully. They were saying, no, nah, man, you're a Prendergast, you're going to just keep long. I said, no, nah, man, it's 30 minutes, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, yeah? Um, you can time me. You probably noticed something different about me today, if you've uh, been on here for a minute and seen me. Um, something's missing. Um, the wife has been badgering me for a few months about this uh, goatee and how old, how old it makes me look and how grey and white it is look like Father Christmas. So um, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. So hopefully I've knocked off a, a couple of months off my age. Um, so yeah, Nehemiah 4, 1 to 23. And um, just thinking about this, um, Nehemiah has started... Oh yeah, well I said I mustn't shake about. <laughs> Nehemiah started the rebuilding of the broken walls. Now we will see that he will meet opposition from the enemy. Whenever we try, whenever the people of God start doing the work of God, they will often come up against opposition. They will come up against difficulties, obstacles, discour discouragements in an attempt to defeat the work. This can lead to a desire to want to quit. In this chapter, we will see how Nehemiah deals with the attacks of the enemy. So let's just quickly pray um, and get into today's message. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. It's great to be here, Lord. Um, as difficult and as challenging as it is during the week, trying to, you know, put a message together and um, just trying to read for it. And yesterday I was just bashing the bed and... And, and bashing my head because my reading was just going wrong. And I'm like, man, I can't stand the pulpit like this tomorrow. Help me, Lord. But I read over it again today, and I think the Lord has met me. So, Lord, I pray that you would meet me. I pray that you would speak to us a word in time, in season, Lord, as we continue through this book of Nehemiah. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so let's just look at verses 1 to 3 to start with. Now Nehemiah, so now when Sambalat heard that they were building the walls, he was very angry and greatly enraged. He jeered at the Jews and he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they res revive stones out of the heap of rubbish? and burnt ones at that. And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, 
What, are, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down, he will break down their stone walls. Let me ask you this. What walls are you trying to rebuild in your life? You may be trying to rebuild the walls of your marriage, your relationship with God. Maybe it's your prayer life. You've not been praying recently. How about your devotional life? How about a broken relationship with a friend or a family member? A broken relationship with someone in church. And you're trying to rebuild the walls of that. Know this, the enemy will seek to bring opposition to try and scupper what God is doing. We know there are times when we're sharing with someone, and this happens all the time. You're in the middle of sharing with someone, and all of a sudden, their phone starts ringing. Or a friend will come along, and they'll try and pull them away from hearing the good news. As Nehemiah starts building the walls in Jerusalem, he is met with opposition. God's people always have enemies. In this case, they are Sambalat and Tobiah. Back in chapter 2, it said that these two fellows were greatly displeased. Look at their reaction now. They're angry. They're enraged. They're furious. The man's is vexed. How do they oppose the work? Well, through imitation, intimidation. Imitation. Intimidation by mocking the Jews. It said in verse 3 that even if a fox was to walk on the wall it would fall down. They jeered them. They called them feeble. I don't know if you remember back in the day before, you know, people have taken on a a different extreme with their their arguments with each other. Back in the day when two opposing groups would would, would be about to fight and there'll be a couple of big talkers at the front standing there and they'd be shouting and raging and waving their fists and then goading and inciting the opposition. And then once the fight had started, these two brothers would be nowhere to be seen. That was Sambalat and Tobiah. All talk and no action. Matthew 5:11 and 12a says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. It says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Now these verses may seem alien to us because the thought of being mocked or ridiculed for our beliefs is not something we tend to want to rejoice over. We can take heart though that Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven. So what should we do in the face of opposition to the mocking of our faith or when our enemy seeks to unsettle the work of Christ in our lives? What are we to do when the enemy uses the Sam Ballots and the Tobiases of this world to bring discouragement in our lives? Do we say, you know what, this can't be of God. It's filled with too much misery and anxiety. You see, there's a tendency for us to have a false notion that if it's of God, whatever he's calling us to do should be trouble-free and filled with blessings. Did Nehemiah say, you know what, bun building the walls, there's too much opposition, I'm, back, I'm off back to the luxury of the king's palace. 
No, he doesn't do that. He could have, but he doesn't do that. He's on mission for the Lord. Let's look at how Nehemiah responds to their attacks and see if there are any examples that we can learn from him. Verses 3 and 4. Hear, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captive. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. You see, Nehemiah didn't retaliate or openly rebuke him. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He took it to God in prayer. You see, they had been verbally abused. His prayer seems to be a bit of a strong one, don't you think? Contrast that with what Jesus taught. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. These guys were abused. You see, Jesus taught us to pray for. Nehemiah prayed against. I'm guessing there's been times when you've wanted to pray a Nehemiah prayer about someone. <laughs> or that King David prayer in Psalm 58. Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. And for our Jamaican viewers, brought them teeth in their mouth. <laughs> I know there's some Jamaicans listening. Big up vessel. Which model of prayer would you adopt? <laughs> Brock up them teeth. Brother says, Brock up them teeth, Lord. Brock up them teeth. Remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. When people, when, when people mock what you're trying to do for the Lord, ultimately they're not mocking you, they're mocking him. You see, God will sometimes allow difficult situations in our lives to drive us to our knees. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. We need to be a praying people. So what was the result of Nehemiah's prayer? Verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its heights, for the people had a mind to work. His prayer was answered, not by God smiting the opposition, but by focusing on the work and not on the problem. Why? Because the people had a mind to work. You see, for any work of God to be accomplished here at Ecclesia, it requires us to have a mind to work. And we've got that in many areas. Praise God. He said, we built the wall. It means it's going to take all of us to play our part. Not just the faithful few. All of us. You see, any good marriage needs a husband and a wife to work at it. We need to have a good work-life, devotional life balance. Our relationships with each other need to be worked at. We can't just assume that they're just going to be nice all the time. Verses 7 and 8. When Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, 
heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem were going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion in it. So half the project has been completed. Here come the angry Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites. Now they're really irate. Have you had times when you've gone through a dry season in your walk? You set your heart to fill in the holes with your walk with the Lord. You start praying again. You, you pull out your Bible and you dust it off. You start fellowshipping again with believers. Now you're walking in the spirit and no longer walking in the flesh. Your walk feels like it's back on track. You're back on fire for God. And then, boom, the enemy brings a Sambalat or a Tobiah along who wants to frustrate the rebuilding process. Do you slip back into a lukewarm faith with the notion that if, 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 yeah, with the notion that Satan will back off, leave you alone if you don't get too deep, if you don't Get, if, you don't, if, if you go back to being an undercover secret agent Christian. So what do we do? Verse 9. We pray to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. See, this time they don't only pray, they also take action. They set a watch. And that's what we need to do. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. James 2, 26, Faith apart from works is dead. What do you mean? Well, if you're praying for a job, you need to send your CV to companies. You need to fill out application forms. You don't just sit at home praying, waiting for a job to fall on your lap. It can, but you need to do something. You see, it's no good praying for reaching unbelievers with the gospel. We need to open our mouths. We need to share Jesus with them. I love this saying by Ray Comfort. He said, it's easier to talk to God about man than it is to talk to man about God. You see... No matter what God has called us to, it's, it's no good if all we do is pray. We also need to take action. Let's look at verse 10. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to build the wall. You see, before the attacks were coming from the outside, now they start coming from the inside. They're tired. There's too much rubble. They don't believe they have enough help, labor, to complete the work. Were these things true? Probably. See, do you feel like that sometimes? You see, if you're feeling drained, watch out. Tiredness can lead to discouragement. They said there's too much rubble. We can have rubble in our lives that we either walk around or we try to ignore. 
we need to ask ourselves, do we really want to be climbing over the same mess in 10 years' time? Who is stepping over our rubble with us? Let's begin clearing the rubble for their sake as well as for ours. Brothers and sisters, we need, if we have too much rubble in our lives, it will block our view of the Father. Rubble can also stop God from working in our lives. Too much rubble can stop us being used by God. Just as these Jews started losing their sight of the goal, we too can lose sight of our goal if we have too much rubble in our lives. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, close, which clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Your rubble may be the things you watch on TV, the things you in, indulge in on social media. An unhealthy relationship can be rubble. The weight of unconfessed sin an unforgiving spirit, some kind of entanglement that keeps tripping us up. You see, Jesus wants to build, do a building work in our lives to clear away the rubble. Are you open to that? If you're listening and you're not a believer, you may be feeling overwhelmed with life's consequences brought on by bad choices. Scars from regret, brokenness from rejection, damage from abuse or sadness about how things will never be the same. The list can go on. Come to Jesus in repentance. Let him remove the rubble of your life that is closing in on you. Verses 11 and 12. And our enemies said... They will not know or see until we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. Here comes another attack. Not only from their enemies, but also from their own. These are Jews living near their enemies who are not involved in the, building, the rebuilding of the walls. They heard about the plan attack and they have come, with a, come down with a negative report. Negativity can sometimes come from Christians who are living just a little bit too close to the world. There have been times when, I know this is a poor analogy, but <laughs> I know there's been times when we've been at street preaching and that a, a person claiming to be a believer would come along and question our preaching methods, thus distracting unbelievers from hearing the gospel. It can have a discouraging effect. I remember one night in particular, a professing believer decided he was going to come and stand by us. But he weren't just going to stand there. He was going to persistently whine all night about the preaching. This was in Brixton. Later, after having conversation with the fella, the brother, 
it turned out that he was living and having relations with someone that he wasn't married to. He was obviously being convicted by the Holy Spirit. This person would be deemed as a hokey-cokey Christian. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> a hokey-cokey Christian. A one-leg-in, one-leg-out, in-out, in-out, you-shake-it-all-about type of Christian. They don't know what side of the fence to be on, so they're in and out constantly. For us old people, <laughs> boxing legend Muhammad Ali used several ring tactics to defeat his opponents. One of his tactics was to discourage him. In his fight with George Foreman in 1974, going back, the rumble in the jungle, he taunted Foreman, hit harder, show me something George, that doesn't hurt. Here's my Muhammad Ali impression. I thought you were supposed to be bad George. A fuming, a fuming foreman punched away furiously, wasting energy, and it weakened his confidence. You see, that's what discouragement and negativity does. How does Nehemiah respond to this attack? Does he panic? No. He takes control of the situation. Verses 13 and 14. This is what he does. So in the lowest parts of the spaces behind the wall, in open places, he stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You see, if their enemies were going to attack, they would possibly attack at the weakest place in the wall. As believers, we need to be watchful that nothing breaches our spiritual defenses. We need to carefully discern where we can come under attack. Let's be alert to what can tempt us. You see, a moment's lapse can open the door of sin, which in turn may develop into a habit that can easily overwhelm us. Struggle to shake it off. In response to the enemy's threats, Nehemiah strengthens the weak places in the wall. Are there weak places in our lives right now? What can we do to strengthen those areas? You see, even the most mature believer can never afford to let their guard drop. 1 Peter 1.5, sorry, 1 Peter 5.8, we all know the verse. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How do we combat that? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When challenging times come our way, when we're feeling discouraged, feeling down, when it feels like we're being attacked from, from every side, 
When there's an attack on our sons and our daughters and our families and our Christian homes, if we're ready to give up, remember what Nehemiah said to them. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We need to remember that God is on the throne. He hasn't come off. The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The one who said, come and receive rest for your soul. The one who has numbered every hair on your head. The one who said, let it be. Let there be. And it was. He's on the throne. You see, we need to hold on to our Christian worldview. We can't defend our worldview by giving up on our worldview. People of God, we need to continually be clothed in the whole armour of God, as described in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 for you note takers. Verses 15 to 18. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had fr frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each laboured on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet stood by me, Nehemiah said. You see, Nehemiah understood the dangers posed by those who opposed the rebuilding of the walls. He commanded constant vigilance. Half of the workers stood watch while the other half rebuilt the walls. Each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side. Now we all recognize that the sword can be a metaphor for the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, what did Jesus use? He used the sword. He quoted from the scripture, from the book of Deuteronomy. It is written. It is written. Likewise, we continually need to be in the word of God so that we can wield the sword when the enemy brings temptation our way. A brother I know will quote, Get behind me, Satan, when he's tempted. <laughs> Let's look at verses 19 to 23. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we laboured at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars come out. That's a long shift. And I also said to the people at that time, let every, let every man and his servant pass a night within Jerusalem that they, may, that they may be a guard for us by night and labor by day. Hold on. A guard all night and then labor all day. 
Listen, these people knew how to work. <laughs> we get vexed when we have to serve for 10 minutes. <laughs> these brothers are serving all night and all day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the God who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Hmm. Each kept his weapon in his right hand. You see, Nehemiah set the example and they all came together to work, ready to fight if necessary. And that's what we need to do, especially when we're battling discouragement. We need to come together. Don't go it alone. Instead, blow the trumpet and rally the troops. Get help from God's people and together we will defeat the enemy. Our talents are gifts from God to be used for the building of the kingdom. You see, we work better when we work together. We work better when we work together. Mark 3, 24 to 25, it says, A kingdom divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. While thinking about them two verses, I've got this picture of Jesus having to break up two Christians bickering in heaven about a misdemeanor that took place on the earth. Can you imagine? We need love and unity and fellowship, brotherly, sisterly love. We all have a common goal, and that's to see the kingdom built up. To see the, the lost reached, and for God to be glorified. You see, it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. Let us listen for the trumpet call of a Christian calling out for help. In conclusion, as a Christian wanting to serve the Lord, you will experience opposition. We need to respond as Nehemiah did, with prayer, keeping on with the work, vigilant against the enemy, and keeping our focus on the great and awesome God whom we serve. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it speaks to us, the way it directs us, the way it guards us, Lord. We pray for harmony amongst us all, Lord, as we serve you, as we look to see the kingdom built, remembering that it's not about us, it's about the kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that even when we are persecuted, even when we're reviled, even when people are complaining, when, we're, when they're waiting outside at barley loaves about the preaching or about the, the method of, of waiting for food and, and, and calling us all kinds of things, even, even when we're feeding them, Lord, help us not to take that to heart, Lord, remembering that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy's at war. Anything we do, anytime the gospel is going out or anytime anyone is on mission for the gospel, there will be opposition. Lord, help us to stay strong. Help us to remember who you are and who is in control. You are God. And we commit this before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.